Hello and welcome to the pep talk. Today we are going to discuss the Leipzig match and everything about it. That glorious 7-0 win at the Etihad against those German giants. And uh, then we will be looking forward to the Burnley match as well as the Champions League draw. I'm Sam and I'm here with my co-host Jason. Jason, how's the land down under? Land down under is fine, man. It's a... Yeah, early in the morning, still having my morning coffee. Um, but yeah, it's how we make these pods work, you know. You, you in the afternoon and me in the morning. And yeah, yeah down, it's five down o'clock under, here. Yeah, <laughs> down under nice, but it's very hot today. It's very hot today. It's uh it's eight AM in the morning and I'm cracking a sweat already. <laughs> it's thirty six degree I... weather and then today's thirty three I think. So yeah. What's what's thirty three in Fahrenheit? Um, you probably know. over, probably over a hundred. I'd say. I think. Could be wrong on that. Thirty-three. Yeah, thirty-three. Yesterday was thirty-six degrees Celsius, which is really hot. Had the aircon on all day yesterday. So. Yeah, here it's thirty-three degrees Fahrenheit, which is terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like you're like freezing, and I'm like I'm I'm dying of heat. <laughs> Just polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so 33 Celsius and 91 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's not fun. Um, yep, yeah. That, that's, and it's probably humid because you're right on the water, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's humid, it's hot. Like I said, the, the air con's running all day, but we make do in Down Under. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, well. But enough. And, 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 gray and miserable. Yeah, it, it, enough about the weather. <laughs> Let's talk about a 7 yeah. mil weather. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the the snowy Manchester, dominated by the Norwegians. A few more goals and it would have hit you Celsius in the in the US. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, I think that was a cracking game. Like just to start off with that, you know, seven nil. You know, and me and you were messaging, um, you know, offline on WhatsApp about the about the game, and we're both a bit nervous going into the game. A bit, you know. You know, are we going to get a typical city knockout of the CL nice and early? Um, and then and I know you were a bit more confident than me. Um, you were saying like, yeah, we're either going to slap them. <laughs> and I think what you said, one of your predictions in the in the, in the the last pod was 5-0 or 6-0 or something like that. Or you said, it, or it could be like a very, very close game. Um, but yeah, I, I think, think what I said was 3-0 in the first half and then we're going to cruise. And yeah. I expected three nil, and then just to take our foot off the gas, and it was three nil in the first half. We just didn't take our foot off the gas and just uh, yeah. decided to slap them even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that we we literally took it to them, or I should say, Harlan took it to them. So some, you know, the big Norwegian Viking took it to them literally, um, and, and he did it all in what fifty eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, man, he, he's. And look, I had I had a few friends of mine say, oh, none of his goals are anything to write home about. You know, like he didn't score any bangers or anything. I'm just like, you know, scoring five goals in a Champions League knockout from a team that is really, really good, you can't, you can't, there's no way you can put a negative spin on that. It's five goals. <laughs> like, just, yeah, just stop. Mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, come on. Those people are just jealous because they're oh, well that doesn't happen really because nobody else is scoring five goals. So exactly, 
and the well, fact that Haaland's it's him in, and Messi. Yeah, and the fact that Haaland's always in the right position every single time, and has the clinical touch to score every time. Like you just can't. Find, he could have had more. He could have had more. Even he said it himself in the in, in that um the CBS Paramount Plus um interview with like Unri and Carragher and Micah. He said I should have scored more. So it shows his mentality for one, you know. And then on top of that, like, come on, man. It's just a generational freak, let's be honest. That's the truth of it. <laughs> and yeah, he, I, I was going to bring up that interview. So I don't know what coverage you get in Australia, but I, I will say hands down the CBS, like Champions League coverage uh, is amazing. Like all of oh, the other... It's great. It's, it's great. Yeah, because... Like what we get here is we have to listen. We have NBC slash Peacock for Premier League, then we have ESPN for the Cup matches, and then we have Champions League um, on Paramount Plus slash CBS, and they're phenomenal. And when I watched that interview with them, he didn't even care about the five goals. He was just pissed off that he didn't have seven or eight. Yeah. Like any time they're like. Look at you, man! You scored five goals. He just said, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm just really pissed off. I didn't get that those couple <laughs> in the first half. Like, like I can't believe I missed those. I'm like, really? That's what you're worried about right now? He just it was hilarious. It was the great. man just wanted to embarrass them even more. Like, you know, there's no doubt about it. The CL is his competition, and he's gonna make sure that his name is tied to it. You know, he's 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 the he's the player that we've needed." For this competition, I'd say he just has that elite yeah. mentality. Like he does, I think if it was a Premier League game, I don't think he scores five goals. You know what I mean? He he will, uh, he will do this more in the Champions League than he will do it in the Premier League. Yeah. I don't know if it, I mean, I don't know he, it's a byproduct of the game being a bit more open as well. We'll probably talk about that a bit later. But you know, you have to win to go through in the Champions League. It's a knockout competition. But yeah, he he comes in like ready to go for all these games, like. Like, I can't wait to see who we draw. Just so, like, you know, <laughs> see does what he, does he do. what yeah. center backs have to deal with him. <laughs> yeah, that too. Because <laughs> there's some matchups where I'm, I, I know I said it to you earlier. You know how excited I would be to see Holland go against Odomendi. I feel like Odomendi would get a red card in the first ten minutes. Ah, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think Odomendi would deal with him. Like, if if I was, if we had Otamendi now. In the city, this city team, even if we had peak Otamendi in our in our city team, and we we're coming up against Haaland, I'd be like, oh god, just just please, just take it easy on us. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's a scary, it's a scary prospect for any 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 centre back that comes across it. You know? Yeah, and yeah, well, and like I said, we'll get to that later. So let's start off. What what did you think about the lineup when you saw it? Did it scare you, or what kind of what was your thinking? You know, especially with Walker not playing, Stones in it, back at right back, um, Bernardo Silva at right wing, and just no Mares, no Foden. Uh, what were you thinking when you saw it? Look, when I first saw the lineup, I was like, what's Pep done? That was my initial reaction. I was like, what has Pep done? Where's Foden or where's Mares? You know? And me and you were talking about this in the last pod who's going to start, Mares or Foden? And the fact that he didn't start either, I was like, okay fine and then I, I like took a step back you know your, your initial reaction is like what's pep done 
But then you kind of look at the lineup and you go, okay, well, what has he actually done here? And you go, okay, he's gone back with the four right backs, uh, the four centre backs, sorry, and Walker's out for whatever reason. And some could argue that's to do with you know, um, the incident that he's had or the tactical side um, to it. I think it was a bit more tactical, in my opinion, um, which we'll talk about it later, but it's probably Stone plays better in that midfield role, which he did play a lot. Than, than what Walker can. Um, and I don't think we were that worried about um, the pace from Leipzig because there was only there was only Timo Werner that was a like real threat for us. Um, yeah, I think if Nkuku played, maybe he would have started Walker. So like I wasn't that worried when I look when I looked at it. And then when I seen Bernardo at right uh, right wing, I'm like, it makes sense. You know, we had a lot of issues in the first game with control in that in that second half, like. You know, they flipped the game on us in that second half. We just didn't know how to deal with it. So I wasn't I wasn't too worried. It, it kind of scared me because I was like, okay, we've changed something, right? And it's always, it's always, you always, we have this thing with the Champions League, right? And I think we've all got PTSD from, from the Champions League final where Pep changed something, right? And it didn't work out. But, you know, if it doesn't work out, you, you, everyone's going to lose their mind. But if it does work out, it look, makes Pep look like a genius, which he is. But, you know, there was a lot of people complaining before the, before the game. And, you know, and then me, me and you messaged, I was messaging you and I said to you, like, goes to show, like, Pep's a genius. Like, you just got to trust what he, what he decides. As long as he doesn't take out a defensive midfielder or, like, you know, massively alter the lineup the way he did against Chelsea in that Champions League final, I think no matter what he picks, it's fine. Right, as long as you've got your your base of right right players in right positions or players that can play positions that they're used to, and I think that's where people get a bit worried when we when we when he does changes in the Champions League. It's like, why are you changing? It's like you know, stick to your best lineup. But you know, he he doesn't right tactical lineup for this team for the way they played us in that second half in the first game. Right, so it was a tactical adjustment based on the lineup. But yeah, I think people worry, have just have that worry that comes sneaking back in and, you know, enters. It even happens to me. Like, I'll go like, oh, why are you changing stuff in the Champions League? Just stick to your best lineup. But, you know, I, I, overall, you know, once the result and looking in hindsight, you just got to, you just got to put your hands up and say, Pep, do your thing, right? What about you? What were your, what were your thoughts when you, when you first seen that lineup? So, I, th- I think one thing to point out, you kind of said it, is like, Pep changes things a lot more than we think. The problem is most of the time he gets it right, so then everybody kind of forgets about it. They're like, oh, yeah, Pep's great. And then they move on. And it could work 99 times out of 100. And then that one time it doesn't work, all of a sudden Pep overthinks everything and, you know, can't believe Pep did this. Like, he always does this. Yep. Always. Yep. Um, like, always. So... When I saw the lineup, I was more interested how everyone was going to line up. I don't think I was super nervous about it or anything. I figured Bernardo would play on the right wing. Um, I was wondering how we would line up at the back, whether it would be more of a 2-3 or a 3-2. Because um, I didn't know whether he would trust Stones to play that double pivot next to Rodri. I know he did it. Um, he did it against... Who did we just play? Palace. I think he did it against yeah, Palace. He, he yeah. did it against Palace, yeah. So I didn't know if he was going to do it like he did against Palace or whether it was going to be different. 
and he ended up doing it just like he did against Palace. Bernardo was on the right wing, and I just thought, this is interesting. I wonder why he's doing this. I, I guess I'm a little more optimistic and give him the benefit of the doubt more than most fans. But like you said, he, the Twitter army came out. Why the hell isn't Foden starting? Why the heck is Mara starting? What like just trying to play conservative and ultra control and blah, 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 blah. Um, turns out everyone was wrong and Pep was right. He even called out the Twitter army on <laughs> in his press conference and said, I know more uh... than all of you on Twitter. So now I'm just trying to look out for his burner account somewhere. We gotta find that burner it's, account. It's gotta be there. Either <laughs> either he is looking on Twitter or somebody is telling him what they are saying on Twitter. I can because just imagine Pep scrolling through Twitter. You know, oh look what American yeah. citizens saying, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> look what look what British City brand idiot. <laughs> Honestly, let me let me tell you something. Um, the guy who wrote two books on Pep, his name's Marty Perinow. Yep. Um, great, like, great author. I, I I love his books on Pep, and they're phenomenal. He likes a bunch of my tweets, and he doesn't follow me. I have a feeling like he's just going back, and he's like, all right, like he might be the guy because he's so close to Pep. Like he literally followed Pep around for years. I have a feeling because this guy doesn't follow many people. He's just plugged into city Twitter through Marty Paranow. Uh, that's my theory. I love you, Marty, if you're listening. Keep liking all my tweets. You're great. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, maybe we should tell all the listeners that you know you're the actual burner on 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 Twitter. Your account is. <laughs> Pep's yeah, using, I think people. Pep is using that. you as a proxy. <laughs> I think people said that there was like a game or two ago where i called a sub at halftime and it happened and i just that's just luck okay but there were like five people that commented and said this guy's pep's burner account yeah yeah pep's going as the american citizen at halftime tweeting about something on twitter what he's actually going to do during the game come on now the the best way to hide (laughs) hide behind behind a username called the american citizen what's it's perfect. Yeah, he found me out. Found me out. <laughs> All I have to do is just say we are so happy more than you believe, and maybe people will think it's maybe people will think it's him. <laughs> yeah, happy New Year, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So first half thoughts. Uh, we got. Let's get this out of the way now, because it didn't really affect the game. Uh, was that a penalty? I disagree. I think it did affect the game. But no, it wasn't a penalty, if you're asking me, to be honest. Like, in my mind, like, I looked at that and I go, if they give this, I'm like, this is harsh. Very, very harsh. And if that happened against us, I would be fuming, right? But in in saying all that, the amount of times we have been on the back end of these type of decisions, you know, we can call out so many wrong decisions in the Champions League that have knocked us out, right? I can call... The Leon, not offside, called the um, you know the recent Rashford handball, the handball by Urante, the VAR, the first VAR decision that that like really affected a game in terms of Sterling's offside um, against Tottenham. We had the year before that without VAR against Liverpool, which a lot of people forget, right? And this this is why I kind of say you know you got to remember how how a decision can affect the result, so. Yes, we tonked these guys 7-0 and 
you're saying the penalty probably didn't affect the, the final score. I think it would have. Like, I think maybe we would have beaten them 3-0, maybe 4-0. But because of that penalty and the way it happened, and then the second goal comes straight up, they did affect the game, right? And so if you look at, you think back to Liverpool, right? They, If you just look at the scoreline, they beat us 5-1 in the Champions League in 2017-18. But there was like three decisions that went wrong in that in those, in those ties that could have changed the entire outcome of the game, right? And football's a game of momentum, right? So one goal instantly changes how a team is playing or how the actual game is playing. So the decision, which we both agree, I think, is probably shouldn't have been a penalty, but as soon as we score that penalty, what, how far, when did the second goal come, what, 30 seconds later? Yeah, like literally off the next kickoff. Yeah, it was literally the next kickoff. I think it went back to the keeper. They launched it long. Akanji hit it back to Haaland, who laid it off to Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne takes a shot, and then Haaland headers is in off the off the crossbar. So it was literally like thirty to forty seconds of you know actual gameplay where the the second goal comes. And part of that, and we've seen it ourselves, right? When you concede a goal, momentum changes. Um, the crowd gets going. We've seen it at the Bernabeu last year. Sorry to bring that memory back, but we seen at the Bernabeu last year when, when they scored that, that goal, something happened straight away and the momentum shifted and they scored, what, another minute later? It, it does happen. You know, we call it quick-fire goals. We've seen it plenty of times in the Champions League, um, you know, where where the game feels like it's going okay. They were 20 minutes in. I think we only had a couple chances in that first 20 minutes. So when the penalty cut after 20 minutes, we from 20 minutes to 60 minutes, we scored 60, six goals, right? Yeah. So in, four, in 40 minutes of football, we, we suddenly scored six goals but because it just turned from from worse to worse to worse. So yeah, I think the penalty did change the game on. Um, I still think we would have won, um, but I just don't think we would have won 7-0 because the game just flipped on its head, that penalty. Like literally just went, yeah, we went bananas and like right after, you know what I mean? So... Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely not a penalty. Yeah, I think, okay. In terms of whether it was a penalty or not, it might have grazed his arm. And like, I get it. If it technically even grazes his arm, that is by the law a penalty. But honestly, I like I wouldn't even take it that far. I don't think it was 100% conclusive from the video that it even grazed his arm. Like, oh. That's kind of that's kind of the thing for me is like okay are you one because technically they're overturning a call right they're not upholding a call is there one hundred percent conclusive evidence that it even hit his arm like I I I would say probably maybe seventy five percent certainty it hit his arm but it didn't look a hundred percent and look I, you I, can see the ball change trajectory a little bit there was none yeah. of that. Look, I think I think it definitely hit his arm, right? I don't I don't doubt that. I just think the proximity between Rodri and the player, and both of them are jumping for the ball. And like you, know, the thing is, when you jump, when you jump, your arms kind of go up a little bit. So it's like it's still a natural position, you know. And it's not like I'd have more of a problem with it if Rodri was aiming his. He's like his head at the goal and then his arm blocked it from going at a shot. But it was kind of going nowhere. Like it didn't really affect anything, if that makes sense. 
It's yeah. just, I don't know. I, if, if, look, if I was on the receiving end of that, I'd be very upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I'd be really pissed too. Um, uh, you know, by the letter of the law, technically, it should be a penalty. I think that was yeah. still a very weak penalty um, at the very least. I mean, that... Yeah, I... Look, but it's, it, it, it's, in terms of the outcome of the game, I semi-disagree with you. Yeah, okay. I would say that I think we were going to jump on him regardless. Maybe it's not 7-0, but it was 3-0 because... At least when I went back and watched the game for a second time, I felt more nervous watching it the first time that something was going to happen until we scored those two goals. But then going back and watching it, I mean, we dominated them before that. It's not like it was against the run of play that we like get this penalty and score a goal. Like we we had a couple chances, and even um, I was in Washington D.C. at the time watching it with shout out the Capital City Blues um, at the bar that they watch it. We, I remember us saying while we were watching it, like, oh, it's going to be one of those games where we have all these chances and we can't put the ball in the net. Um, and that's what it seemed like for a couple times in the first 20 minutes. So I, I honestly think we were, we were, we jumped on them from the beginning. It's just that nothing really went in. And then once Holland scored the penalty, it's kind of like the floodgates opened. And yeah, yeah, no, way, I, I, I... It, I agree with yeah. you. I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. With that, um, you know, I like I said, I think would have won, right? Like, I, yeah, probably two nil, maybe three nil. I just feel like, like you said, the floodgates opened as soon as that penalty happened because it kind of rattled them as well. Like you think of it, it kind of reminds me of like Rashford's goal, um, not Rashford's goal, sorry, Bruno Fernandez's goal, the offside goal. It rattled us, and then what? Three minutes later, they scored again. It's That's just the, Rashford's it's, goal. That's Rashford's yeah, so, goal. Yeah, so <laughs> it is Rashford's goal, right? They should both be Rashford's goal. Uh, cheers, Howard Webb. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like, you know, teams get rattled sometimes by really, really poor decisions or decisions that you feel like are a bit unjust. Like, like you said, technically by the letter of the law, the law it is the correct decision. And I think this is where, you know, people get really annoyed with the Premier League, right? It's very inconsistent. But the Champions League usually is pretty consistent with their rules. Um, you know, I, I don't think we've seen too much of like, similar scenarios in the Champions League where like, oh, this worked for this team but didn't work for another team. We see it more in the Premier League where one week it could be a penalty and then the next week it won't be a penalty. So I'd rather them be consistent and be by the letter of the law. Um, so yeah, but... Uh, but in, 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 in saying that, after those two goals, um, Edison rushing out. Red card, yellow card, orange card... <laughs> what, what are your he thoughts on that? I don't know what you're talking about. He got all ball. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say, honestly, like, that's not a red card. Well, there was, it was way too far from the goal. It was at such a, it was at a terrible angle. There were guys behind Ederson. That, that's, to me, that's not a red card. That's a yellow at best. Um, <laughs> don't know how they just called nothing and then gave, Timo Werner, a yellow card for dissent. That's a little crazy. But, I mean, I wouldn't... I don't think anybody would have been upset if they just gave Ederson a yellow card and they get a free kick right there. A red yeah. card, that would have been a little harsh. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he should have got the yellow card. My issue with that whole incident, and I you know, posted it to him, I said, you know, what are you doing, Ederson? And then, and then we talked about, I talked about it a bit later, and you know, people say, oh, you know, it's not a red card. 
And I'm like, I'm not saying it's a red card, but, you know, those split decisions that Edison makes, and my, my issue with Edison in that scenario is more his decision-making. You know, I, I watched the replay a couple of times, and I'm like, what, what is his reasoning for rushing out? He is nowhere near the player to be rushing out, right? And we had, it was, I think, one Leipzig player, and I think we had three players of our own near the ball. And the ball was going far left, right? So my my issue with, with that, and like another day, and this is, what I, this is my whole issue with that whole sequence. Another day, Edison comes flying in, hits him really badly, right? And he gets a red card. And suddenly we're up 2-0 in a Champions League knockout. We've just lost our keeper, which means we need to make a sub to get our, to get our, our secondary keeper back on the field, right? And the whole game's changed, right? And that was 20 minutes in. I think it was, it was literally right after the second goal, I'm pretty sure. So it was 20, 25 minutes in. Suddenly, you're playing a game with 10 men for, you know, 60 or 5 odd minutes. I just need to know, what was Edison thinking? Why is he rushing Honestly. out? It, is, it was so frustrating in the moment. It's like, what are you doing, mate? Why are you rushing out when you don't need to? There's, there was literally zero risk of a Leipzig player scoring in that scenario. Like it was no, yeah. So I honestly I wasn't as angry at his decision to go out as his timing. You know, like he does that all the time. Yeah, he does. A lot of the time, it works out perfectly fine. And if he got to that ball and cleared it, we wouldn't we wouldn't have even thought about it. So honestly, it's more of his timing just seems to be off lately. I think it. You know, a lot of people are saying like, why is he rushing out? He always rushes out. That's not really my my issue with it. And I think Pep is going to... I think Pep would feel the same way, is that he would be more upset that Ederson timed it wrong than he rushed out. I think Pep would be fine with him rushing out. It's do, more do, of just do, completely timed wrong. Do you think he should be rushing out, though, when the threat is not as severe? Like, if it was a one-on-one -on -one with one of our players and it's going straight down the middle and he rushes out. I'm kind of okay with that decision for him to rush out. But the fact that he rushed out without much of a threat, it was kind of like, you need to rush out? Is, what's what's your reasoning? You know, the whole point of, of uh, you know, a sweeper keeper is to eliminate the threat before you even get a shot, right? But what were the chances of shot even coming off from that, from that scenario? It was probably very, very low. So... I kind of get it when he rushes in. I, I like that he rushes in. You take, you know, you take the, you take the good and the bad with Edison, right? With it, with those type of decisions, right? And you say you, you, you kind of live with those, with those, you know, those timings where he he mistimes it and the play gets around him and scores or he, he gives a penalty away. You live with those moments, right? Because he is sweeping and he's gonna clear the middle. But in this scenario, his decision making to go really far out of his box when there was wasn't much of a threat of a shot. That's my issue with his decision making. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you on, on the sweeping side. You, I like his sweeping and his sweeping's fine. But that decision was just, I was just like, no, don't do that. And then you think about it and you go, you know, please don't do that in, in like in a bigger tie, you know, or a, or a, you do that against a Bayern or Madrid. Give us a tie, you know, just straight off one decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would just... It's one of those things where if if you're gonna do that, you better time it right. Um, and he didn't. I think if he, I think if he got his timing right, which he normally does, 
fine. I really don't have an issue with the decision. Um, but that's what happens when you get it wrong is people are going to question whether you should have done it at all. Yeah, um, that's true. So, do you, do you think right, he has so, a do you think he has a timing issue overall? Because he did something similar against Arsenal where he timed something incorrectly. Do you think he's not in his best form? I've, it seems like it this year. It feels like he's he's mistimed those more this year than he ever has. I mm. think overall he's been fine, um, but in for some reason it seems like this year he's mistimed a lot of those. He's mistimed a lot of things. I think well, even the the goal that um, Leipzig scored in the first leg, he kind of mistimed the the cross and you know came out of his box you know, off the line, sorry, to, to go for it and then realize he's not going to get it and then try to, like, go back. Basically, Gavardio, once he went up and, you know, went up three meters in the off Diaz's shoulders, he um had kind of a free, <laughs> had a free goal, a free free shot on target, basically, right, where the keeper's not even there. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on, um, I guess this will kind of go to a bigger topic so we can tackle two things at once. Um. What did you think of Stones playing as an inverted fullback? And um, what does this mean for Kyle Walker? Hmm. So the interesting part with Kyle Walker is he being punished, you know, for, for his incident. And he probably is, right? So, you know, you can't do something like that and then have not have an issue with it, you know. It's to Kyle Walker, who's probably one of the most senior players in the squad. He needs to set an example for everyone. Right. I think Howard said he has a groin injury. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the ninety three twenty four. Um, but yeah, no. Look, I feel like he, yeah, he should he shouldn't he shouldn't have done that, and I think he is getting punished. But in saying that, I think it could be tactical as well. So Stones is looks very comfortable next to Rodri, and and he's and. It, Stones is kind of underrated with his speed and, and quickness um, playing as a centre-back. Um, so I don't, I don't have an issue with him filling in that that right-back role when we're in defence. Um, I think he's done really, really well. Like, we were talking about the Palace game. You know, Walker came on four stones on the 88th minute or something, right? So if he was being punished, should he have played that game? Probably not. Um, but he came on and, you know, I think if Crystal Palace had their first chance when Zahar burned Walker... So Stones kind of locked him down. And I think Stones is one of our best defenders in the team. Like, you know, I've, I've talked about, you know, our best out-and-out defender, and I've said it's Diaz, but I, I put Stones up there pretty pretty high. Like, when it comes to tackling and timing and um, overall speed and decision-making, Stones is one of our best defenders. So I don't really have a problem with him playing that right back, but when he plays that inverted role, he's so comfortable in the ball. Like, I kind of don't mind it. And he... he Played it to perfection. Like he was moving around perfectly. He looked like a midfielder at one point. You know what I mean. So I don't have a problem with Stones. I think I think Pep really likes it. He kind of likes um, this big team. So and I think Stephen Stephen McCurney made a made a good point on this on on how big our lineup is with this with this current lineup that Pep's going with. You know, you got like four centre-backs playing. Um, then you've got Kevin De Bruyne, Gundogan, Haaland, Henry. Grealish. You know, you have all these Rodri, you've got all these big players. I think only Bernardo is probably like what we consider a small player, but, you know, he makes uh, up Him for... and Gundogan. Gundogan's not very tall. Isn't he, Isn't Gundogan like six foot? No, he's... Like oh, he's a bit under, maybe five, five eight. Is he? 
No. Yeah. <laughs> really? Hold on. Yeah. Look that look that up while I continue. You, you know <laughs> I don't think he's five guy. seven. No way, he's not a little guy. Bananas considered a little guy. I don't wow, think. Wow, he's five eleven. I was See? surprised at that. See? I swear I thought he was like five seven, five. Nah, seven. man. He seems like he plays little. Nah, Gundam's always doing those nice headers in the box. Come on. He doesn't play like a little guy at all. I, I just feel like he's one of those guys who do you know what it is? A little guy and find space in the box, but that's what it is. Like, yeah, that's what for people. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it's more of he's just a smooth, silky player, right? But he's actually he's actually a pretty decent sized player. He's probably the same height as De Bruyne. I think De Bruyne is only six foot. So yeah. So like size wise, but Kevin De Bruyne just looks a bit more stocky, and he, he does he does run a bit harder than than Gundogan does. So you kind of feel like he has more that more to that physical side. But Gundogan's pretty big, man. So yeah, like overall, but our team is huge. And when you put stones in there, it just makes it even bigger. So, you know, balls at the top, those 50-50 balls, you're kind of winning most of them, right, with that lineup. So I don't mind it. And to be fair to, to Pep, what, what was that? Was that our fourth clean sheet in a row? Yeah, yeah. And, and me and you were talking about this the other day. When was the last time we kept a clean sheet, we were saying? Or when was the last time we won <laughs> one nil? And suddenly we've done four in a row. So... <clears throat> For the home stretch, I'm happy with this lineup. I'm, I can say, you want keep doing it because if we're gonna keep a clean sheet, you're more likely to win. Because Haaland will get his goal on the other end; he'll get one goal. But the, the problem that we've had in recent times is keeping the clean sheet. So if you, if you've got a lineup that's gonna keep the clean sheet, then keep playing it. So I, I don't mind Stones um, in that inverted fullback role. But I, I'll ask you a question. You know, were you are you happy? And like maybe you can give us a deep dive. And I've seen you do it. You did a thread. On Twitter about this, uh, check out at American Citizen. By the way, if you haven't seen that thread, um, fantastic thread. So yeah, you know, if you want to deep dive into the into the tactics and how you thought we set up to counter Leipzig with stones as well, go for it, man. Go for the dive. Yeah. Give me so, your bald fraud take. <laughs> the bald the bald fraud take bald fraud tactics talk. Here we go. So I think the two biggest decisions that he made, and I think the things that probably annoyed people the most um who thought this lineup wasn't good and the things that interested me the most were stones playing it right back over walker and bernardo on the right wing i think everything else you could kind of have predicted um and so stones dropping in next to rodri i think it kind of cemented that he can play there he did perfect like you said he was incredible um next to rodri so for me, that gives, especially when we build up in the 3-2, which we've done almost every game recently, um, that gives a couple of people who can play next to Rodri. So it's either going to be Bernardo, it's going to be um, Rico Lewis, or it's going to be John Stones. I don't think Kyle Walker can play that. I think we saw that earlier in the year against Newcastle. Like he just, we, we saw it against West Ham in the first game with David Moyes. I, I didn't prepare for this at all. <laughs> yeah, because... I don't think you like maybe you can pull it off against West Ham, but I don't think Pep like if Pep really wanted to do that, he would have, and he he can't. So essentially, if you're going to play Nathan Ake, who looks incredible right now, and then you have Diaz and Akanji who look incredible right now, um, then you're gonna not play Kyle Walker, or your other option is Kyle Walker has to play high and wide. And then you have to bring in somebody from midfield to drop next to Rodri, like Bernardo or Gundogan. So 
essentially Kyle Walker kind of because he doesn't fill that you you would need to like I said drop somebody from midfield and then Kyle Walker would go high and wide and then whoever plays right wing either Foden or um, Mares would kind of shift in to a more like inverted winger but like much more inside not right wide right and it would look I don't know it would just look kind of odd um, and he's done that before. I think we did that in the first leg against Leipzig. But I think now that he knows that he can, that Stones is going to play there, Bernardo can play there, and Rico Lewis can play there, it seemed um, kind of natural that he would do this in this game because he's not going to play Rico Lewis. He's not going to play an 18-year-old in this. He's just not. Um, even though Rico's been great, he's not going to do that. Um, and Bernardo... I'll get to it in a second. He needed Bernardo up the field or else Bernardo may have played that quote unquote false left back role. Um, so his option was John stones or else it would have had to kind of change the shape of how we set up. And then, so I, to say that, you know, that could mean something for the future because stones was brilliant. He looked like a second Rodri in there. Oh, I, I, lo- I loved Stone's performance. He was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he was fucking brilliant. Um, so there's that. As for Bernardo, um, it seemed kind of clear pretty early why he was there. I mean, he was there, and I know Pep said in his press conference. I'm gonna be honest. I saw this in the middle of the game, so I didn't like. Obviously, uh, other people probably noticed it too, but I didn't like steal it from his press conference. Bernardo's pressing on Leipzig's left is really what helped us gain a foothold in the game because Leipzig didn't really offer any threat going forward. And they like to build up through their left because they have Guardiola as their left-sided center back. They have Raum as their left back. Probably the two better players on the team when Nkunku's not injured, or yeah, when Nkunku's out, those are their two better players and that's how they like to that's how they like to build up. So what Bernardo did is because he's so smart and so in, intense with his pressing, you saw anytime Gavardiol got the ball, Bernardo immediately stood right in between him and Raum. So he could not get the ball out to Raum. And Gavardiol is good on the ball. I think if that was one of City center backs, they would have been able to kind of do that thing where they dribble up and then find the left back. Like, I know Laporte can do that really well, where he just kind of takes a step in and does it, but I don't know if Gvardiol is that um, savvy yet. So you cut off that pass, and you essentially force him to either go into the middle where we're pressing, all of our midfielders are pressing, or he's got to go back to the right to his keeper or to Willy Orban, who's not nearly as good on the ball. Um, so Bernardo that, that, that did was that. A, that was a second goalkeeper, through- wasn't it? Um, yes. Yes, yeah. they're starting ones injured. So yep. um, that's kind of what Bernardo... And, and in doing that, he kind of takes three guys out of the game because Gavardiol, I he tried it a couple times where he tried to pass through the lines, and he's very good at it, but he didn't really have many options, and the we got the ball immediately, and next thing you know, we have the ball right outside their box. Um, and then he went back to the keeper a couple times and the keeper made a mistake. He went to Orban a couple times and Orban made a mistake. So um, essentially Pep said, all right, if you're going to beat us, 
take the ball out of Gavardiol's. You're going to have to build up a different way. And they just couldn't. Um, and that was due to Bernardo essentially taking out Raum, Gavardiol, and then also pressing the keeper when they would go back to the keeper. And um, Foden and Mars are fine in their pressing, but they they couldn't do that. Like, they, they, they wouldn't do that. So I think it makes a lot more sense of why Pep did that because that was a that was massive in the game. Yeah, they just I, couldn't get out. Yeah, I, th- I think I think when I like we were talking about the lineup earlier, and I was like, oh, Bernard on the on the wing, and I didn't see Mares and Foden. It as soon as I think as soon as the game started, ten minutes in, I was like, yeah, I can see why he did this. It was like so apparent what Bernard's role is, and I and I think I messaged you saying. I don't think Foden or Mars could do the role that Bernardo was doing. And Bernardo didn't lose the ball at all, probably in the game. I think he got dispossessed once, maybe. Um, but other than that, I don't think he lost the ball. And his combo with Kevin De Bruyne is so much better than Foden or Mares in that role. Because we had yeah. De Bruyne running down on the on the on the right side of him, you know, giving that overlap. Bernardo is really really good at fighting De Bruyne in those scenarios. <clears throat> Yeah, I think he's better at making those passes than uh, than Mara's or Foden. Just like finding De Bruyne streaking down that kind of half space. Mm-hmm. Bernardo's good at pulling out the left back so that uh, De Bruyne has open crosses. And De Bruyne had like three or four of them, just none of them connected. Yeah. yeah I think Kevin- it was that one to Gundogan in the early, very early in the match, and Gundogan just fluffed it over the bar. But that was... Another really good chance in like the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth the note that Kevin De Bruyne is back in terms of performance. Yeah, at least from this game, I want to see I want to see it again. But like, technically, he looked much better. Like his control was better, his passes were crisper. Because um, yeah. that's more what it was is like the, the kind of like Bob said, like the simple things, like just. Just receiving the ball in between the lines and then, you know, passing it back to the, the fullback or something and keep possession. Like, he was messing those little things up. Yeah. That looked much better. I think it's safe to say that De Bruyne shouldn't be playing three games a week. He needs to be playing... He, he needs to have that rest where between... Where we need to be able to rest him one game every, you know, three or four games, I think. I don't think he can play every game anymore. Maybe maybe towards the end of the season, like when we're right right at the end, he probably have to play every game. But I don't think he's gonna give us the best performances if he's playing every three to four days. Um, you know, as he said, he's an old man in this game, so yeah, we we, we need to give him that respite. And yeah, you know, and I think that's why we need to get younger in midfield next season. Um, you know, to give De Bruyne that ability to to have a rest where we don't look terrible without him. Um, and I think we've found the right balance now where we don't look terrible when he's not playing. So, um, yeah, look, but overall his performance was fantastic, I think. Yeah. Okay. A- any any so, other things that you want to talk about tactically, maybe in the second half, um, you know, with the, with any of the subs or performances from the sub? Um, I mean, I don't think anything really sticks out, to be honest, because like, by that point the game's over. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people like saying like Myers was you know had something to prove in the second half and he was cooking and whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, but you know it's like it's like looking at a youth play cooking when you're up six nil doesn't really mean anything, not really because in an intense nil all game the game is completely different. And you know I think Leipzig at the end you know the last thirty minutes was 
let's not let let's not let this get the ten. And they were just sticking in the nape. They weren't even coming out at us anymore. And they knew the game was over. The tie was over. You know, once Harlan got his fifth goal and it was six nil, the game was over. You know, Kevin De Bruyne getting that last goal was just like a consolation of you know just a little cherry on top of the of the beautiful cake, as we say. Um, but uh, to me, yeah. I can't really take anything from any of the players' performances. 70 minutes onwards in my mind like it's just like you're just really there to finish the game off essentially you're up 60 yeah <laughs> is, that fair? is that fair exercise. or is that fair no, or, is, or am i being harsh no i agree i think it's a training exercise at that point like i it's it's just done both teams know it's done yeah it's just you know it's like a dead rubber at that point since yeah since your pep's burner account um <laughs> why'd you t- why'd you take harland off should we have let him got six no, let the man rest. Let the man rest. He's, yeah, he's done. I, yeah, I was just saying, I was like, just get him off. You know, I don't think he'll play against Burnley either. So him having, you know, three, four weeks with the international break to, you know, rest up before the, we call the home stretch of the season. So we've got, you know, after we come back from the international break, we've got April, May, and I think a week in June or two weeks in June, depending, um, depending on how the season goes with the Champions League and the FA Cup. But, you know, we're in the home stretch. You know, give the guys rest when we can. I was surprised he didn't take Kevin De Bruyne off, but at the same time, I'm like, he's probably not going to play against Burnley either. Let him get his rest. Let him get his, you know, let him get his full 90 minutes under his legs um, and then just rest him after that. And Martinez is not the Belgium coach anymore, so maybe maybe Kevin De Bruyne won't get... <laughs> a little bit of rest. Might, might get a little rest of Belgium, you know, and his friendlies coming up in, in the international break. Yeah. Um, okay, well, here's a question. What did you think of Gavardiol? Because I know there's been a lot of rumors surrounding him, and we're not going to get into all of the transfer talk, but essentially um, there's multiple reports from multiple people that have said he's interested in him. So going against him, what did you think of him? Um, It's a bit hard to judge a centre-back when they've just got tonked 7-0, so <laughs> everyone's feel like... <laughs> Look, I, I think, like we said earlier, and you were talking about in your tactic talk, the strategy to stop Gavardi, basically, is to me a sign of how good he is. You know, we built a lot of our game plan around stopping him making those those passes and giving him less options with Bernardo pressing him. And that to me says, okay, you're probably the best player on the pitch. How do we stop the best player on the pitch? And we did something about it, right? So, and he was fantastic in the first game. He controlled most of the first game. He got the goal, you know, probably one of the, one, one of, a very, very good performance, you'd say, right? So, for me, I'm not going to judge a player on one game the same way people were judging Bellingham on, you know, that second game at Chelsea where he played. He didn't have the best game. I'm not, you're not going to judge a player on one game. You judge him on a series of games. So, I'm not really worried or impressed by his performance um, in terms of, you know, this second second leg, like I said, it's it's hard to judge a game seven 0 But the fact that we did plan our game plan around stopping him, to me, is the ultimate sign of respect. Right? It's the ultimate sign of you are good. <laughs> if if Pep is planning his his tactics around you, you know you you know you've got it. You know what I mean? So if if we do end up with the Gavardio, I think he'll be fantastic in our team. And you, you touched on it last last pod. You said he he's potentially one of the best centre backs 
in the world that could be one of the best center backs in the world. And what is he, 21, 22? Come on. I think he's 20 or 21. He's 20? One of the, Jeez. Yeah. 20 there or 21. Whatever his age is, he's, he's basically as young as Haaland, as young as Foden, as young as these young players that we say are young players and you need to give time. And usually center backs peak earlier. So, uh, sorry, peak later, I should say, not earlier. Um, you know, they don't really show their, their best till they're 25, 26, 27. You know, if you remember John Stones, we signed John Stones at, what, 21, 22? And he had a lot of weaknesses back then. Again, we all knew he was a fantastic ball player, but he used to he used to always make mistakes. He used to, um, you know, have uh, defensive lapses. And then you look at how he plays now. Besides his injury issues, obviously, but you look how he plays now. He's fantastic. So he came into his own at 26, 27, 28. Um, so if you get Gavardio at 21 and he's playing at this level, you know, he should improve within the years. And playing in a Pep team, he will improve. So I'm not worried if if we go out and sign him for a hundred million. I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. You know, he's probably the perfect Laporte signing uh, re- replacement, I should say. So you said everything about as well as I would say it. Uh, the only thing I would add is that um, if you go back and watch the game, there's about four or five clearances in the box he had. So if he wasn't there, it might have been eight or there you nine nil. No. Yeah, there you go. He's an out-and-out defender, so. Yeah, he's, like, he's he's very good. And so, like, there he had to do a lot of cleaning up. And he, like, surprisingly, he did. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't hold this against him. So, here's a question for you. Before you go to the next question, I've got one question for you. Akanji, were you happy with performance? And do you think he deserved a goal? Because there's a bit of a joke going around of how he didn't score, right? And, like, he had, like, three or four opportunities to score. And every time it bounced back to Haaland and Haaland scored. And he hasn't, yeah, scored, they, a, he hasn't like, scored a goal for City yet. Him. Yeah, he hasn't scored a goal for City yet, so he's desperate to score. <laughs> the team was roasting him because every time he would shoot it at the goal, it would deflect and fall right to Haaland. <laughs> every time. And there was even... Um, I think on the no context Manchester City um, account, there's a video of him after Holland scores. Holland's running away, and Akanji just like throws his hands up and is so <laughs> pissed off that he could, didn't get his goal. Um, and Stone is yeah, that the I mean, one with Stones like dropping to the ground, laughing his ass off at um, probably yeah. at Akanji. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I seen us. So yeah, I seen it last night. That, that is fantastic. I've got a prediction for you. If we make this Champions League final, Akanji scoring his first goal. There you go. There's my hot take. I'm ready. Um, Signing of the year. Scores, <laughs> we, score, we score an out-and-out striker from Dortmund, and <laughs> the centre-back from Dortmund scores the winning goal in the Champions League. Called it here first. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's do it. Ooh, that would okay. be fantastic. Uh, that would be wonderful. So... In your eyes, we're not going to talk about Holland's five goals, at least. Well, we, we talked about it already. Um, but who was your man of the match who wasn't Erling Holland? Because it's very easy to just say, well, Holland scored five goals. He's the man of the match. So who was your man of the match that wasn't him? Who wasn't the one that wasn't Holland? Um, some, yeah, guy called, who- some, some, some guy called Erling. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you have to give him man of the match for one, two, and three. Like, come on. <laughs> he scored five goals. 
Well, yeah, obvi- he's obvious. Okay. Nah, yeah, he's the, he's the, best. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm just taking, I'm taking the piss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of having a piss of Leipzig, but I'm just, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, nah, t- honestly, it's, it's a hard one because I think we, we played a complete, um, complete game, I'd say, right? So you, you can't, there's no one that you can fault in this game. You know, you, you got the clean sheet. We pressed perfectly. We didn't give much opportunities to the, for them to score. You know, we, we really spoke about Edison's mistake. That's that's really the only mistake in the entire game, I'd say. Like, I can't really think of any moments in the game where someone was underperforming. It was, you know... Oh, there was one There was one Rodri mistake where he meant to go uh, back yes. to Diaz and messed it up. And, yeah. Uh, and then, luckily, their striker is Timo Werner. So he didn't come near the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But look, but, but but overall, there's not there's not many things that we did wrong in the game, right? You know, Stones was fantastic in that inverted fullback role, and then fantastic defensively. Aki was doing his usual Aki things. You know, he had a fantastic over the top. And like I've been a, I've been a criticism of our of our centre backs not being the best at progressing the ball when Stones and Laporte are not playing. But then Aki in Haaland, I think, before, when we're still nil or over the top. Mind you, that should have been a foul on Gavardio. He pulled Haaland back, um, in my mind. Like, like, if Haaland goes down there, it's a penalty, in my mind, because um, he did pull him. Um, but that was Aki's pass, you know, over the top, straight into Haaland, and it was perfect. It was pinpoint. So, you know, I can't really look at anyone and say it was, it was a complete team performance. So if I'm going for anyone on the mana match, just bloody team. You know what I mean? So... That's my opinion. I, I don't know. What about you? Well, who, who, what are your thoughts? Who, who's your man of the match outside of Haaland? Um, honestly, I would say Bernardo. I just Bernardo, what yeah. He okay. did. That's fair what call. he did on that right side, like in his pressing, was incredible. And they, like, I don't think we really, like, because we scored seven goals, it was glossed over that they barely had a sniff of our goal. Like, it was that one Rodri mistake. Um, the Ederson mistake that really gave them like anything. I mean, they like. Do you even remember any other? I think maybe one other time we gave the ball away in midfield, and but even then, like, did it really? It wasn't even that high quality of a chance. So yeah. they really had nothing, and and to break them like a- another thing too is like Leipzig have the best defensive record in the Bundesliga. Like they're I know it's the seven now. I get it. But like they they're not used to being just their press getting torn through like that and them not being able to build up. And we did both. So um I, I'd give it to Bernardo Silva. Maybe second would be John Stones just because he they were they we were so good at building up. I mean, we literally just tore straight through their press every time. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of looked like the older city teams where we would just play it very quickly and just would would cut right through other teams. That's what it looked like. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. You know, Stones and Bernardo are basically playing in positions that are not their best positions, and they still did it fantastically. So, for for an overall, when when you look at the whole city team as a ten out of ten performance, you know. You give them the most credit, I guess, as you say, because they were out of position and still did it fantastically. So yeah, I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Okay. Um. So, 
moving on, I think we kind of talked, touched on Walker a little bit. So yeah, yeah. Um, who do you want in the draw next? Or so who do you want to play, and who do you want to stay away from? Oh, this is difficult. Uh, look, I think the the first team that I do not want any part of is Chelsea, and I know Chelsea is not in the best form. I just do not like us playing English teams in the Champions League. I've, you know, we've, if you look at the last three times I've drawn English teams, every single time those teams were 20 points behind us in the table, we were much better than them, but they still somehow managed to win. You know, we've lost three times in the last five years against English teams. So I don't know, I don't want Chelsea. I don't even want them in the semifinals. I don't want them in any time. So they're my number one target that I do not want. The second one I don't want, and this is going to surprise people because most people will probably say Bayern Munich or Madrid. I don't want Napoli. Napoli is my dark horse, right? And they I feel like we will maybe underestimate them a little bit um, because they're not, they don't have that big club name attached to them. So you might underestimate them. And, you know, we've talked about Cavaradonna, Oishman, you know, they're fantastic defensively. You know, they've got a great coach. And Napoli away is incredibly difficult. I think we're the only English team to ever beat Napoli away. And we did that in our 17-18 season or the 18-19 season. Um, yeah, when Aguero broke the record for goal. When Aguero broke the record, that's right. So so for me, they're my two teams that I do not want any part of in the quarterfinals. You know, and it might surprise people because people say like, oh, you really want Bayern Munich in, 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 the, in the quarterfinals. But, you know, in, in a way, I kind of, don't mind playing big teams because then the expectations are like, okay, you're playing a big team. So 50, 50, you know what I mean? Like you, you go in a bit more relaxed, I feel. <laughs> so maybe it's my own, my, my own feeling about how I, how, how I want to feel going into the tie, but I kind of like those big matchups, you know, like a, what I call the, the, the scalps of, of the big clubs. You know what I mean? You know, when you go on a, on a good Champions League run and you, you say, uh, you know, I went through Madrid, I went through Bayern Munich, I went through all these teams. It feels better. Um, so I kind of, I kind of prefer it that way. Um, but if I was gonna, if I was gonna say who I'd want to draw, I'd want one of the other Italian teams, either Inter or AC Milan. Again, because I do have that big name attached to them. Um, and we've never drawn Inter or AC Milan, I don't think. I mean, you were talking about this the other day, but I don't think we've drawn any of them. So they're my obvious two choices if I had to pick. What about you? Who, who would you go for? Um, so stay away. I would stay away from Real Madrid. They're my number one stay away. <laughs> uh, like, I don't... Because it doesn't matter. Like, it it does not matter where they are, who plays for them. It doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't. They're going to, like... It's just like they do it so many times now where they just pull shit out of the middle of nowhere that um, it just it doesn't matter. Like they're going to scare me in this competition and they just they have the swag. You literally have to beat them eight to nothing to get rid of them. They're like a snake. <laughs> you can never cut off their head. Like it doesn't matter. You could be up for nothing and they'll come back on you. So and they just kind of they make games so chaotic. And yeah. that's honestly why I thought Liverpool would be all right against them because Liverpool likes to make games chaotic. And I thought, well, that kind of plays into Liverpool's hands. Turned out wrong. Like, when was the last time a team just crushed the spirit of, like, Anfield? 
because Anfield is such a even when Liverpool's not good, like Anfield is such a fortress when you go in there. It's like it's kind of like how it was for us against Leipzig. Like it just feels like once Liverpool scores a goal and then scores another goal really quickly, that like it's just piling on. It's like an avalanche. And next thing you know, you're down seven nothing. Like, you know, some teams we know about. Um not Leipzig, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you are, know, are you talking just, about are you talking about are you talking about the other side of Manchester? Oh, they're not <laughs> Manchester. You can't you can't say that. But uh, <laughs> one thing is like that's what happens at Anfield. And then all of a sudden Liverpool score two goals in the first fifteen minutes against Real Madrid, and you just think, uh oh. This is not good for Real Madrid. And what do they do? Real Madrid runs them off the field the rest of the game. Like, I don't think any other team could do that at Anfield. Like, any other team. And Real Madrid can. Why? Because Modric still looks great. Cruz still looks great. Benzema looks great. And their young guys all look good. So, um, I'll be honest. I'm scared of them. I'll be honest. For some reason... I am very confident that if we draw Madrid, we're going to absolutely tonk them. Do you not know why? But it's just a why? feeling. We, we've beat them, so I think what, the year before this one, we beat them in the round of 16. The year that we, we lost to Leon, huh, out of all teams. Yeah, but we, we, yeah. did beat, we did beat them, and we beat them at the Bernabeu as well, that game. Although yeah, there are a lot, there are no fans too. Yeah, to be fair, there wasn't no fans. But, and, the, and to be fair, they are better now. But I think... With Haaland, all right, and I think with the experience that we have against them now, I think this time would be ready for them in terms of like, like you go back to that, even even the Bernabeu game, right, in, in last year, they scored two goals in extra time. How often is that going to happen again? I get the whole fear and it's Madrid and they just black magic their way through it, right? I get that. If we play them the same way again, we will tonk them. You know, I feel like we they got away with it last year. They got away with it multiple times against multiple teams. And to be fair, to be fair to Liverpool, they went out. They 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 went with a plan to try to absolutely smash them at Anfield. But they've they've had defensive frailties all year, right? So, you know, Liverpool's that hot and cold team right now, where they they'll smash a team seven nil, and then the next next week lose to Bournemouth 1-0 right and that's because they're very frail in the back and they've got multiple issues in midfield which allows teams like Madrid with a brilliant midfield to just play through them but I feel like our setup our 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 or, or however we set up against them would probably be with a back three with the inverted fullback role I feel like we'd do a lot better than a lot of other teams against them <clears throat> and then you add the Haaland factor what a lot of people forget about last season when we lost them in the first leg, we had so many chances. We were we were tearing them up. They didn't have an answer to us. The only the only answer they had to us was we were not finishing our chances. If we put those same chances for Haaland, he's gonna have another five goal game, right? So to me, that's why I'm not that worried about them. I feel like we'd go into that game. You know, this probably bite me back in the, in the ass. Because, <laughs> yeah, revenge talk. <laughs> Salah, <laughs> revenge talk. <laughs> but I feel like the players would want that challenge of taking them on again and actually doing the job this time, right? And I feel like, and I think in the first leg when we played them, 
Was it Fernandinho playing as right back instead of Walker because Walker was either injured or suspended? Um, in the first game, yeah, it was right? injured or suspended. And and that's right. And, and Vinicius, Vinicius rinsed him. Vinicius was rinsing Fernandinho every single bloody time. So, so I feel like the whole if we if we draw them now and we play them in the quarterfinals and we've got our team, we're all healthy, we're ready to go. I feel like we'll beat them. Right? Because they'd be up for the challenge. They're very similar teams. They've only added Chichani from last year, or Rudiger, I think. So, overall, yeah. their team hasn't changed much. Right? Our team has changed, fair enough. and But we've added a generational striker right up the middle. So, to me, I'd be a little bit less worried. And I feel like we'd actually go in and just say, we're just going to batter these fucks. Excuse my language, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know what I mean. Like I said, on paper we should, we should. Yeah. And like you said, Liverpool always pulls something out of their ass. That's the problem. <laughs> is that, like, is that at some point it's not luck? That's the crazy yeah. thing. Is that like in these cup competitions, at some point it's not luck because they've been doing this for years. Like even back when they had Ronaldo and they won those three in a row, like one or two of the years they looked the best. But then the third year they did not look like the best team. I thought yeah. Bayern beat them it, it well. is their competition it is and, their competition. yeah it's it's just like it just seems like they last year every single round they got outplayed they got outplayed by chelsea they got outplayed by psg and they got outplayed by us and they and, and they got outplayed by liverpool in the final beat us all so at some point i'm just worried because they just they just know how to pull shit out of their ass i've never seen a team do it like them like i've, I've just never seen it and yeah it's kind of astonishing. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those things, right? Where, but it comes back to my my scalp thing, right? I, I kind of want that Real Madrid scalp. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go win the Champions League, I feel like you gotta beat Madrid. It would it, be nice to say we beat Madrid on the way to the final, and we won the final by beating Madrid along the way. Yeah, like chop the monster's head off. Kind, kind of, of, yeah. You, on you, on you the know, way to you, the prize. Yes, yes, exactly. So. And I think for a mentality and for a confidence and all those things, if they if the team gets that redemption against them, you know the confidence is gonna be sky high. Do you know what I mean? So Bayern Munich worry me more than Madrid, if that makes sense, right? And I think they're a better team and they've got more depth, more more threats to the way we play. So Bayern worry me more than Madrid, but I kind of want that Madrid tie just to get that but if I, if I had to choose when I want to play Madrid I'd rather play them in the semi-finals I wouldn't want to play them in a final and I wouldn't want to play them in the quarters I don't want to play in a one-off game where anything can happen you definitely don't want Madrid in the final they've just got too much experience there yeah I think honestly I'd be a little better with playing Bayern still don't want to play them playing uh, yeah. like, compared to like Benfica or the Milan teams like you said I would probably rather play Bayern than I would Napoli. And that's because... Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Nagelsmann, like, that team has shown some defensive weakness because they play such a high line, like, an incredibly high line. And I think it would be a fairly cagey affair because they play very similar to us in that they, um, they build up with a back three and they like to control games. They're not, like, the typical German, like, up and down They're, that's not them they like 
you might think that's them, but that's not. Nagelsmann is very similar to Pep in his style. So they play slower. They build up with the back three. Um, and I think that kind of plays into our hands because I don't know if they can do that better than us. And um, their center backs are young. I don't know if they, he can fully trust them to take care of Holland. Like, Upa Makano is very talented. He has tendencies to completely mess up. Delict is starting to show the potential that he he should, but is he there yet? I don't know. Um, oh. And then we all know who knows what they're going to do at right back. Uh, we, I hope they play Ken Stillo, Uh Just so I don't. We, we can, <laughs> Jack Grealish, uh, yeah, he'd be fine. And at left back, same with Alfonso Davies. Like he's he's kind of lacking defensively. So I. Honestly, I think we would be able to control Bayern. I think Bayern, this is one of Bayern's more weak teams going forward. It seems like they don't really have a goal scorer. Like they have a bunch of guys who can score, but they don't have, like, they're really missing Lewandowski, a guy who can just bangles in because they create plenty, um, but they don't have just that one guy who can bangles in. And that's why. Um, they keep getting, they keep signing Chupamoting to more contracts, which baffles me. I like definition of failing up, I feel like is Eric Maxime Chupamoting. <laughs> Just goes from a relegated Stoke City to PSG and then goes up to Bayern and just keeps getting contract extensions. Blows my mind. But essentially, I think that's kind of where their weakness is. is like, kind of like Chelsea right now. Like they have a decent team. And they're better than Chelsea, obviously, but they don't have somebody that you're just worried about scoring goals. Yeah, I, I'll go with that. If, if I want to see the draw, I'd probably want um, either Bayern to draw Madrid or Bayern to draw Chelsea. That would be my ideal draw. Yeah, put them all on one side of the bracket. <laughs> and put us on the and then side. on our side of the bracket, Benfica, a, a Milan team <laughs> and some Benfica. I don't care if people say, like, I hate the saying when people say, Oh, well, you know, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. No, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> let us win the, the thing, and it's there's not going to be an asterisk next to it <laughs> saying, oh, look yeah. at who you beat and who you didn't beat. I don't care. I really don't. I, so, I only yeah. want, I only want Madrid the easy for the... Teams. I don't care. I only want Madrid for the... um, Just for the revenge factor. And for the confidence boost. Yeah. But otherwise, otherwise give, me, give me the easy draws. 100%. I agree with you. Yeah. So, um, all right. Anyway, so, yeah. Well, I think that we're... concludes our show. Yeah. We're, we're running what's, we've done a nice show today, 70 minutes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Good show. So, good show. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, hope you tune in and, uh, stay tuned for more. <laughs>